0: Chapter Four. Of Chinese Diamonds for the King of Kings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas. Chinese Diamonds for the King of Kings by Rosalind Goforth. Chapter Four. Opening a New Station. Part One. The Missionary's Home. Wee-Nell's eyes had closed at last, and the tired mother rising from the child's bedside crossed the cement floor to the adjoining room, where a boy of six was busily engaged in drawing on a blackboard to the evident delight of his little sister. "'My boy,' said his mother, "'baby has just gone to sleep and must not be disturbed. These constant crowds of women keep her from proper rest, so run out with your little sister to the back compound and play.' As the children disappeared, the mother prepared to cut out some little garments, but scarcely had she taken scissors in hand when suddenly she laid them down again and stood listening. In the distance could be heard the noisy shouts of a band of cotton gleaners. Would they come in? she asked herself. Then, as they could be heard sweeping through the front gateway, she pushed her work to one side, exclaiming aloud, Oh, dear, dear, how can I ever get the children's clothes made? If only a rainy day would come, I might get something made. Patience, patience. Her husband's voice came through the study door. These crowds will not last indefinitely, so do your best to reach them while you may. Before he had finished speaking, his wife's voice could be heard greeting the crowd in the courtyard. Please sit down here in the shade and rest. Do sit down. See, here are benches and mats she urged as they crowded about her, a wild, unruly mob. "'We We have have come come to see!' cried a dozen voices at once. "'I know you have,' she replied, trying to speak so as not to waken the baby, and yet be heard above the dinner voices. "'I really cannot let you inside unless you first sit down and listen to what I have to say.' Then, as they still hesitated, she continued, "'If you will sit down and listen, I will promise to let you inside and show you everything.' This promise had the desired effect. Down they sat on mats, some on benches, a few timid ones kept close to the gate, so as to be ready to flee at the first approach of danger. As the mother tried to tell them why she had come, of a saviour from sin, of a hope after death, some listened intently and seemed to get a gleam of light, but for the most part the crowd was restless and keen only to get inside the house about which they had heard so many strange stories. At last, baby Nell wakened, and making the fact known by lusty cries, gave the woman the opportunity they desired. As the mother ran to her little one, the crowd of forty or fifty women and children pressed in after her. With the baby in her arms, the mother faithfully kept her promise. Nothing escaped their curious eyes. Beds were turned back, drawers opened, sewing machine examined, and organ played before they appeared satisfied whereupon they rushed off as quickly as they had come, saying to one another, "'The foreign devil-woman does not seem as bad as people say she is.' Others said, "'But who knows, you can never judge by appearances.' Half an hour later the husband returned from the man's preaching to find his wife in tears. "'Why, what's wrong?' he asked. "'Oh, everything!' his wife replied between her sobs. I just can't bear it. You don't know how they despise me and what terrible things they are saying. Besides, when I come back to my work, I found they had carried off my last pair of scissors and part of the material I was making a dress of. That is not all. The cook has just been in to say that several teaspoons are missing. Tut-tut, replied her husband, manlike. That's nothing. Why, they are only things, anyway. A few days later came the missionary's turn to need sympathy. He came in from the front looking pale and apparently quite worn out. "'I tell you what, wife,' he said, "'I cannot stand this strain much longer without help. "'If I only had a good preacher to put in charge of the preaching hall I could get along, "'but with lime to weigh, bricks to count, wood and timber to measure, "'and all the mission accounts to keep,' Besides the oversight of all these workmen, and the preaching to these crowds of men that are coming daily, well, I just must get help. He went into his study, but returned a moment later with an open Bible in his hand, pointing to these words, My God shall supply all your need. He said, Wife, do we really believe this? If we do, then let us join in asking God to meet this pressing need of ours for an evangelist. But how is it possible? "'returned his wife. "'We have not got even one convert yet, "'and have promised the other stations "'not to ask help of them as they are on demand. "'True, but God is able to fulfil his own promises.' "'As the husband prayed, the wife thought, "'But, oh, how can help come? "'It is as if we were praying for rain from a clear sky.' Two days later, the answer did come. "'Not, indeed, as they expected, "'but above all they could have thought.' The story of this must be left for our next sketch. Part Two As Rain from a Clear Sky Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. A poor broken opium slave lay on a kang or brick bed, with only a thin straw mat between his emaciated form and the cold bricks. His livid colour, with the peculiar dark shade of the moderate opium user, his sunken cheeks and labored breathing, all betokened the man had reached the stage when only a miracle could save him. Beside him stood a missionary, who was saying earnestly as he laid his hand kindly on the man's shoulder, "'Wang Fu Lin, I tell you, God can save you.' "'No, no, pastor,' the man replied sadly. "'It's no use. I've tried and failed too often. I believe all you preach.' But what is the use of believing when this opium binds me as with iron chains? Even Pastor C's refuge failed to cure me. No, don't waste your time on me. I'm beyond hope. And the man turned again to his opium. But the missionary was not the kind to be so easily rebuffed. The next day found Wang Fu Lin and the missionary on the mission court en route for the station of Chu Wang. For ten awful days, Wang Fu Lin's body, mind and soul hung in the balance. The missionaries united in doing all that was possible to relieve the man's agonies. It was on the tenth night that the crisis came. Many times later, Wang Fu Lin told how that night he went out when in bitter agony into the darkness. To his distorted brain, there appeared to him a horrible being urging him to jump the wall and get relief once more in opium. As he stood wavering, a voice seemed to call to him. Wang Fu Lin! Wang Fu Lin, beware. Yield now and you are lost. As he heard this voice, he made one desperate effort, crying aloud, Oh God, help me! I will die rather than yield! Staggering back to his brick bed, he threw himself upon it and slept till morning. He wakened, as the future proved, a new and victorious man. Three years passed. The missionary at the new station is facing the crisis described in our last sketch. "'Help must come in the shape of an evangelist, or he would break down. "'The spiritual wireless is set in motion. "'The cry for aid is heard. "'And help is sent, truly as rain from a clear sky.'" During the three years since his deliverance from the opium, Wang Fu Lin and his family had a bitter struggle for existence. As a Christian, he could no longer make a living by street storytelling and the keeping of low opium dives and every effort to get honest employment had failed. At last he determined to seek a position in the city of Changte, to reach which he must needs pass by the mission, where the missionary was then facing his crisis. Wang Fu Lin called on the missionary as he was passing, but no one could have looked less like an answer to their prayers. Still fearfully emaciated, racked with a cough which ere long would end his life, dressed in almost beggar rags, the poor fellow presented a pitiable spectacle. But the Lord seeth not as man seeth. After consulting together, the missionary and his wife determined to try him for a few days, for he could at least testify to the power of God to change and keep the lowest opium slave. Within an hour or two of his entering the mission gate, apparently a beggar, Wang Fu Lin was cleansed and clothed in a Chinese outfit of the missionaries, and was seated in the men's chapel preaching to a crowded audience. From that very first day of his ministry there was no doubt of his being a messenger sent by God. He had in a wonderful degree the power and unction of the Holy Spirit. He had natural gifts as a speaker, and these had been developed during the many years of street storytelling. Now all was consecrated to the one object, the winning of souls to Christ. He seemed to be conscious that his time was short, and always spoke as a dying man to dying men. From the very first, men were one to Christ, the first being a native doctor of some note, the second a wealthy landowner. For three years during those early days of stress and strain, he was spared to help in laying the foundations of the Changte Church. Then God took him. Though more than twenty years have passed since his death, he is still remembered and spoken of as the spirit-filled preacher. Part 3. Sowing Before the Storm The five years between 1895 and 1900 were years fraught with much danger and many difficulties to the missionaries at the new station at Changte. The anti-foreign, anti-missionary attitude of the people was hard to live down. It became quite a common thing for the missionary to be called hastily to the front to quiet a threatening crowd. On one occasion the mission premises were practically surrounded by an unruly mob, and for many hours the missionaries were in imminent peril. One thing helped greatly in living this danger period down safely. The missionaries of whom I have already written had moved from the poor, unhealthy Chinese house with the cement floor into a semi-foreign house, the first of the kind to be built in that region. As this house was being built, they feared it might prove a barrier between themselves and the Chinese, and perhaps hinder the progress of the work which had begun to be very encouraging. So they prayed that God would make their new home a blessing and a means of reaching the people still more. And like so many of our prayers, they came to see the answer lay largely within themselves. So they determined to allow all who wished to see through their home. Many thousands took advantage of this permission. The high watermark in numbers was reached when eighteen hundred and thirty-five men passed through the missionary's home in one day. Many hundreds of women were received that same day by the wife and her colleague in the work. On ordinary occasions, the mission had his wife play the organ for the bands of men he led through. But on this particular occasion she was too much engaged with the women to do so. The missionary, therefore, was forced to be his own organist. Though he did not know one note from another, he could at least pull out all the stops, lay his hands on as many notes as possible, and pump the bellows vigorously. The result called forth from admiring crowds the gratifying remark, Why, he plays better than his wife! The gospel was faithfully proclaimed to all who came. The missionaries soon began to see good fruit from this plan of reaching the people. During the second year at Changte, hundreds of students had come to the city for the tri-annual government examinations. Many of these visited and showed plainly their anti-foreign attitude, sometimes causing quite serious trouble. Before the next examinations came round, three years later, the missionary was well prepared for them. At first they came as before, full of self-satisfied convictions that they were quite superior representatives of the most superior race. Curiosity alone led them to the foreigners' home. But no sooner would they catch sight of the large astronomical charts on the missionary's study wall than their attitude invariably changed. The missionary knew well the importance of reserving his ammunition till the right moment. The proudest of those scholars in face of those charts became like children. As the man of God led them, at their own request, step by step onto the wonders of creation of which they saw nothing, often would come the cry, Teacher, stop! Have pity on us! You make us feel like the man in the well who thought he saw the whole heavens! The change that came over hundreds of these students was truly remarkable. Just one instance of the fruit of this work. The missionary was touring far west of Changte, and stayed with his party at a certain inn. The innkeeper, when asked for his bill as the party was leaving, replied, "'Honorable teacher, I could not accept anything from you. My son was at the recent examinations in Changtai, and has told me of his visit to your home and what you are doing for our people.' One day, early in nineteen-blank, three of the missionary's children were gathered in front of a curious-looking chart tacked on the wall of the study. It was a rough map of the Changtai field, and over parts of the chart were red dots. The eldest child was counting those red spots, and had reached to forty-nine when his father entered. "'Oh, father!' cried the boy. "'Just look! There are almost fifty red places!' "'Yes,' said his father. "'And do you know, dear children, that every red mark means a place where one or more Christians are, and where the light of the gospel that can save men has entered?' "'Oh, won't it be lovely, father, when the whole map is red!' said a sweet fair-haired little girl as she threw her arms around her father's neck. O kind heavenly father, who withheld from thy children's human sight what thou knewest was so soon to come upon them. A few short weeks after the above scene, the spirit of the little fair-haired girl had returned to the God who gave it, the missionaries even fleeing before there would be murderers, the Chinese Christians scattered. Many throughout China, both missionaries and Chinese Christians, were witnessing a good confession even to cruel death for Christ's sake. So the blood of the martyrs became in China, as in the early times, the seed of the Christian church in China. Chapter four.